Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey folks, Tom Salemi here. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. One of the trends we've been following at recent OIS events is the increased collaboration between optometrists and ophthalmologists. This collaboration makes a great deal of sense, given that we're seeing an increase of people requiring eye care and a leveling off or diminishing of the number of ophthalmologists who can provide that care. So this is a great opportunity for optometrists to step in and provide care for folks suffering from some serious conditions, including dry eye. We're going to uh, take a look at this uh, cooperation and the increased trend at an upcoming Dry Eye Innovations Dinner, which is happening on February 28th during the SECO annual meeting. The Dry Eye Innovations Dinner will feature uh, leaders from Johnson & Johnson, Allergan, and Zydra to talk about their Dry Eye programs. They'll be on hand to give presentations and updates on where the program's at, and will also be available for a Q&A period and a panel discussion about what they're trying to do. And just like a full-blown OIS, these presentations will be followed by a full-blown panel discussion featuring some of the leading clinicians in the space, both optometrists and ophthalmologists, to talk about how dry eye is impacting their businesses and their practices. The panel discussion will be co-moderated by Emmett Cunningham, of course, the founding co-chair of OIS, and Paul Karpecki, an optometrist from the Kentucky Eye Institute, where he is an associate professor. Emmett Cunningham and Paul Karpecki work with Joseph Baridi of Johnson & Johnson to put together this Dry Eye Innovations Dinner, and we hope that you will be able to attend if you're attending SECO in Atlanta at the end of this month. If you would like to attend, please reach out to my colleague, Danielle Pappas. You know Danielle. She puts together the OIS events. You see her on the floor all the time. You can reach out to Danielle at danielle at healthogy.com. That's the word health followed by letters egy.com. Healthogy is the producer of the OIS events and the OIS podcast. So if this is a, something that sounds appealing to you and you like more details, please do reach out to Danielle at danielle at healthogy.com. This week's podcast, we're going to uh, feature an interview I did with Joe Barini while at OIS at AAO. In this interview, Joe covered a lot of the issues we're talking about the the growing role of optometrists in the treatment of dry eye and what that means for the future. So it seemed like an apt interview to play in in addition to this announcement about the Dry Eye Innovations Dinner. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Joe Baridi of Johnson & Johnson. Joe Baradi of Johnson & Johnson Vision, thanks for joining us. One of the trends that we're seeing is the, the work that optometrists and ophthalmologists are doing together. I think we're seeing more and more of that, although admittedly it's been happening for quite a long time. I know you've been tracking it for a decade or two. Uh, what do you, how do you see this shaping up? Well, first, give us a state of the cooperation between optometrists and ophthalmologists, and where is tier science fitting into that? Yeah, so thanks for having me back on, Tom. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, tier science, the technology, the LipaFlow technology has been used by both optometrists and ophthalmologists. And in the last two or three years, particularly since we've uh, you know, adjusted price points about three years ago, it brought a lot more optometrists into, in, into that technology. And what it allowed us to do is really appreciate uh, the, uh, the, the power of the optometrist treating dry eye 
uh, particularly prior to cataract surgery or refractive surgery, educating the patients on the importance of a healthy ocular surface to being successful and having a successful refractive or cataract surgery. Mm -hmm. And uh, dry eye is something that optometrists have been dealing with uh, for a very long time as primary care providers, particularly in the contact lens uh, business as well. And Johnson & Johnson has a lot of experience there with the AccuView contact lens uh, brand. And, and uh, so for over 30 years, Johnson & Johnson has been aware of you know, dry eye and contact lenses, one of the number one reasons for dropout of contact lenses today. And so what's great about our technology with tier science uh, integrated into the Johnson & Johnson portfolio, it perfectly positions uh, itself between both optometry and ophthalmology where Johnson & Johnson vision surgical division focuses uh, more on cataract surgery and refractive, which sure. is a little bit more in the MD space. And the contact lens division uh, has always focused more in the optometry space and in the contact lens. And so our technology perfectly positioned uh, right, right in the middle of those two. And it helps to bridge the O's. It brings the two bridge more the together. Like that. That's right. Joe, why don't you give us an update of the uh, commercial rollout? Yeah, sure, happy to. So um, we've been uh, you know, selling the technology now for five years as tier science, and now as part of Johnson & Johnson Vision, uh, we have the power of the Johnson & Johnson uh, field sales force as well. So we're going to be able to leverage uh, the entire network of Johnson & Johnson sales uh, individuals uh, throughout the world, really, not just in the U.S., but really globally. And so we're really excited about uh, taking the technology. It's already been approved in about 23 countries. We've successfully sold it in about 12 countries. And so we're uh, very excited about leveraging uh, the power of the surgical sales team throughout the world mm -hmm. that has great relationships with MDs globally. And then uh, with the optometry uh, uh, sales reps as well, the, the contact lens sales reps with the uh, contact lens division also. So we're really focused on making sure that the entire J&J &J network of salespeople um, have the opportunity to, to be part of this technology. And you've got have 800 practices so far using the Yeah, the so, so far in the history of Tier Science, uh, we've, we've uh, been able to acquire over 800 practices as part of our network that have uh, purchased the technology. What, what's great is there, most of those practices, uh, uh, we have solo practices, but we also have large group practices, even large medical centers. So we, we have thousands of doctors, optometrists and ophthalmologists using the technology on a daily basis. So what is the state of ODMD cooperation? And uh, is it, in, where is it going in the future? What is the state of it today? Yeah, great question. I mean, integrated eye care is so critical Absolutely. for delivering care. The number of uh, ophthalmologists over time is decreasing. The number of optometrists continues to increase. There have been at least five new schools since I've graduated from optometry school. So the number of ODs continues to increase. The um, aging population also continues to increase, so more surgeries are being needed with fewer physicians, and a lot more primary care uh, needs to be delivered. So the beautiful thing is technology is advancing as well. So our ability to do more accurate, faster refractions, to do more automated diagnostics on met for medical conditions continues to advance. And so it's allowing, uh, the technology is also an enabler, and it's allowing the optometrist to do more, and it's allowing the uh, ophthalmologist uh, to focus more on, on surgical intervention as well. And these integrated eye care models are just going to become more and more prevalent, particularly with the influence of private equity today. 
they are seeing the integrated model as the key to being successful in, in, in delivering efficient, high quality healthcare delivery in the future. And so those models will continue to grow and, and, and I you know, just continue to see that as uh, an emphasis over the next several years. Is the profile of an optometrist changing in terms of their willingness or, or interest in new technologies? Absolutely. Yeah, no, great question. If you look at um, OCT sales, if you look at, you know, um, treatments being performed, whether it's, you know, prescribing medications and so forth, uh, the largest growth segment seems to be optometry almost consistently across uh, the disease segments. So certainly we see that very prevalent in dry eye. Half of all of our sales at Tier Science have been to optometrists, half to ophthalmologists. And if you look at treatments being performed, in, even in the ophthalmologist's office, a lot of the optometrists uh, in those practices are doing the treatment. So we uh, estimate about 70% or more of our treatments being performed by an optometrist, whether it's in an MD or OD office. And so, uh, yeah, I, I continue to see that uh, as well, that optometrists are t playing a more uh, front and center role in the, in the early diagnosis and early treatment of many of these conditions, and then managing them to a point where they need surgical or more advanced intervention and then handing that off to the subspecialist ophthalmologist or, in some cases, a general ophthalmologist. Well, we were talking off camera, and you mentioned 25 years ago you saw this, this uh, cooperation forming between the two 25 years later. It's not quite where you thought it would be. Well, I'll ask you to look forward anyway, even though we just, just uh, revealed how maybe sometimes precise those forecasts are. Yeah. But look ahead 10 years from now. Do you see, do you, how, has the role, how will the role of the optometrist change 10 years from now? How will their practices be different? What sort of procedures do you, do you think might they be doing? Yeah, great question. I mean, I, you know, I, I absolutely continue to uh, see this advance, but at a much more rapid pace. And I think with influence of, um, you know, like I said before, private equity and, and other uh, corporate entities kind of forcing this model to be much more prevalent, you know, I, I, I see more and more procedures absolutely being put you know, more into the uh, optometrist's hands earlier. So really up to their level of, of competency. So a lot of what they're able to do is really dictated by uh, the training, education, comfort level of, of the optometrist. So they have to practice clearly within their scope. Uh, but I see them maximizing that and really performing at the highest level of their, their practice. And more and more of the routine procedures like a refraction that were typically performed by the optometrist, I see more and more technicians performing those, particularly uh, now with more automated instrumentation. So we just continue to move up that chain. And I do think that allows this dynamic to happen a little bit more faster than we've seen over the last 25 years. And so it's technology enabled. I think it's marketplace enabled. And I think it's just a function of, uh, of, of the economics of it. As I said, the, the fewer ophthalmologists are not going to be able to perform the amount of, of procedures that need to be performed. So they are going to have to delegate more to, to optometrists. Well, thanks for joining us. We look forward to tracking this trend going forward. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate being here. And we'll wrap it up right there. Joe Baradi of Johnson & Johnson, thank you for giving us an early preview on this issue and for all the work you've done in putting together the Dry Eye Innovations Dinner. OIS Podcast listeners, I hope you will join us on February 28th in Atlanta at the Dry Eye Innovations Dinner. It's part of the OIS launch program. If you do want to attend, you can go to OIS.net. You'll find the OIS launch tab under our events button. Or you can uh, simply email Danielle Pappas at danielle at healthogy.com. 
and she will send you the information you need. Also, don't forget that OIS at ASCRS is coming up on April 12th. You can still save some serious money if you want to sign up for two or three of this year's OIS, as it of course includes OIS at ASRS, which is happening on July 20th in Vancouver, and OIS at AAO, which is happening on October 25th in Chicago. Go to OIS.net, click the register button, you'll see the double play and triple play options. Do that by March 12th if you want to get those savings. It's, uh, it's actually a really good deal, so you might want to check that out if you know you're going to two or three of the events. That's it, folks. We hope to see you in Atlanta at OIS Launches Dry Eye Innovation Dinner. And tune in next week for another great tale of innovation on the OIS Podcast. <laughs>